0: You're listening to The Restaurant Grind, the podcast of small business restaurant tours. Today we have Ernie Miller, the owner and pit master of Hogwild Memphis Barbecue. He has been in business for over 27 years with his catering Immovable Feast as well. He has done a lot for the community and we appreciate him being here. Ernie, how did it all begin 20 years ago?
1: Well, we started uh, in the catering business 27 years ago, and uh, I jumped in with a couple of cinder blocks tied to my feet, and uh, anyhow, we started out just me and did about $100,000 the first year in catering, and then grown every year since.
2: How did you get into the barbecue game? Like what made you open up a catering business?
1: Well, I've been cooking barbecue since my uh, mid-teens. I'd moved to South Carolina and things weren't working out there. And I called a friend of mine and he said, what are you going to do? I said, well, that's why I'm calling you (laughs) to get some ideas. And I said, but I think if I'm going to get my barbecue spark back, now's the time to do it. And he said, what are you thinking? I said, I think I can do it in catering. He said, "We'll get home and let's do it." And um, that's a good kick in the butt. It was. Yeah. So we came home. I came home, and that's what I did. That's awesome. Part of that was in high school, we would cater or we would cook barbecue and throw these big parties. Yeah. Right, right in the middle of Germantown with beer trucks and whole nine yards. Why aren't you still doing that? That (laughs) sounds good. um, We got in a little bit of trouble a time or two. And then uh, cooked barbecue in college. And then um, I was working for Morgan Keegan right out of school. And the buddy called and said, Hey, man, we want you to be on our barbecue team. And I said, What does it take? He said, 100 bucks. I said, What does it give me? He said, All the barbecue you can eat, all the beer you can drink, and a porta potty to piss in. I'm in. That Done. sounds great. What a deal. And, and if you think back to the old Memphis and May, in all those festivals, there were no port-a-johns. Yeah, and so you were drinking with nowhere to go. <laughs> right, <laughs> and so the port-a-john was worth a hundred bucks. <laughs> That's right. So I get on this team, and and I'm saying, you know, my best, my efforts are best in the kitchen. So I'm helping the guys that have been cooking, and um, I said, "What are we cooking on?" And he said, "Well, my dad's got this guy that retired and just built this pit, and he's going to let us use it." And then we're getting closer and closer to Memphis May, and I'm still, and we're, we've we kind of perfected the sauce stuff. And he had cooked with John Wills and, you know, had a rough sheet, and we just took that. It wasn't John Wills' barbecue sauce, but it turned no. into mine. And um, he calls me up, and he goes, hey, um, I'm in the doghouse, and my wife's dragging me to Destin, Florida. Drag-ing Tag, it. you're it. No No pit. <laughs> <laughs> and i've cooked a lot of shoulder but it never cooked a whole hog and we were competing in whole hog so i go to uh fine bird packing get a a pig ripped down the middle and uh finally called this guy and i said hey i think you've got a barbecue pit that you're gonna let us use he goes yeah so i'll go down and find him just across the mississippi border and real nice gentleman and uh Hooked it up and took it to my condo, and he came up, and we kind of tweaked it. And that was on the Friday night before barbecue of the next week. Mm -hmm. And we didn't load in until Wednesday. And so I'd cook my first half hog the week prior to my first Memphis of May. That's awesome. How'd you do? Well, we didn't finish last. There we go. And and the guys on the team go, Best damn barbecue we've ever had. (laughs) And so the next year I got two of my real close friends on the team, and the following year it kind of fell into my lap, and that was 1986. Um, So I've been – I'm now the oldest tenured guy, Mm -hmm. pitmaster on the park at Memphis and May. Wow. Um, So I'm not the only guy in town, but uh, I do know a little bit.
0: (laughs) A lot. And so from that 1986 start – How did you decide to start a brick-and-mortar of Hog Wild?
1: Me and my buddies were catering, wearing a suit and coat. um, At Martin Keegan. (laughs) Right. Four or five times a year, you know, we'd pull up in your driveway on Friday night, stay up all night, drink beer, cook barbecue, and serve your party the next night. And um, it it was fun. It was a lot of work. Mm -hmm. Sundays were no fun (laughs) because at the end of the driveway with a – sponge in a bucket of Dawn, (laughs) scrubbing all the stuff down a little different now. But, uh, fast forward, I wore a suit for 15, 16 years in professional sales. And, um, took this jump leap of faith, I guess, or stupidity into the food (laughs) business. Typical
2: entrepreneur, half smart, half stupid. Sometimes
1: we don't know which one we're choosing. So the, the question is, well, have you ever worked at a restaurant? No. I had never worked in a restaurant <laughs> prior to this. But I've come from a food family. Brother-in-law's a chef. Moms and grandmoms and sisters are all excellent cooks. And I started cooking bacon and eggs at seven years old and da 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 And with a business background, I, I felt like I could do what I needed to do. And uh, it's, it's a different animal, I'll just tell you that. <laughs> never stops, does it? No, it doesn't. And uh, it's been... Fun. It's been good. It's been challenging. It's been rewarding. Uh, still tough. You know, every day. Absolutely.
2: Uh, Tell me about those first few years. How did how did it go? It went well.
1: I spent less than a year work. Uh, my wife and I weren't married. Um, she had an extra bedroom where I was working out of her house and living with mom and dad. Started looking for a place to put a kitchen, in. I thought I was going to build a kitchen in a warehouse. And I already had my dry rub being produced down in North Memphis. And I'm sitting in Jim Lindsay's office, and I'm telling him I'm looking for a place to, to put a kitchen. And he goes, hey, man, that building right across the street, it's a, it's a food service place. been vacant for five years. This place was huge. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going, man, I'm not afraid of downtown, but this is deep in the hood. <laughs> yeah, this is North Memphis. <laughs> this, is, this is Danny Thomason yeah. Firestone. Yeah. and uh, That's why it's been vacant. So I had several friends with different companies in the commercial real estate business, and they all said, yeah, we'll ride in there with you. And so we go look at the building, and they're like, you're a fool not to move in here. So my rent is the least of my worries on a daily basis. Yeah, I've got 10,000 feet, $1. fifty-five a square <laughs> foot, has not changed in 27 years.
0: That was a good lease. <laughs> good lease. So now moving to the catering, I was just looking, and then is that? Eight years running, best catering in Memphis.
1: It is now. We we just finished runner up, but so now I got to tweak that a little bit to finalists So mm-hmm. you know, somebody doesn't but think that's I'm arrogant. Incredible. No. Yeah, yeah. So we've got some cool accolades. Um, what's more fun is some of the events that we've done.
0: You mm-hmm. know, y'all do everything: we, backyard barbecue to a wedding. Yep.
1: Yeah, yeah. So my wife, at some point, I guess in early 2000s, said, "Hey." Matt Patrick's wife's not gonna call Hogwild to do their daughter's wedding. You got to come up with another name. So we did, and we came up with, long story short, a movable feast, which is the title of a book that Ernest Hemingway wrote, mm. uh, but just kind of felt apropos. And there's some stories behind that. My brother-in-law was catering. He's a chef. Was catering on the side with another gal, and that was their name And yeah, (laughs) back in the day. And then there was two guys that had that name, and I was trying to find them, just see if they were still in business or whatnot, and did all my homework, and they weren't. So we we adopted the the name. So we're one company with two names, Hogwild, Real Memphis Barbecue, and A Movable Feast. But anyway, you cut us, we're – fat and happy that's right i like it
0: so real memphis barbecue uh i believe there's a story did you invent the memphis nachos barbecue nachos or i
1: did uh there's a little controversy Uh, with a good friend of mine uh walker taylor okay yeah we'll Uh, talk to walker about that one so he he and i we know uh, you did it i won't give walker any credit we'll give him a little bit of credit (laughs) Uh, i will say that the way that the nachos are presented now in you know, kind of on a bedded ships yep. instead of individual ships was my idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what had happened, I, I still didn't have brick and mortar, and I was in my brother-in-law's restaurant, Bistro One Two Two, which was over where Napa Cafe is. And Charlie Long, who's it, it was in liquor sales, goes, "Hey man, the Redbirds are coming to town." I go, "Tell me about the Redbirds," because I <laughs> who's that? <Yeah. laughs> he goes, they? "He goes, well, it's the St. Louis Cardinals Triple team." He said, you need to put your barbecue in there. I said, yeah, I do. I said, who do I talk to? He goes, they just hired Jason McCauley, who was the food and beverage guy at the Racket Club. And so I got introduced to Jason, and he and I hit it off. And uh, he he said, all right, got to come in for an official interview. You're my guy, but come in for an official interview. And uh, the question was, hey, man, can you be creative? I go, Yeah. <laughs> yeah Absolutely. My and I go I'm thinking barbecue nachos and he goes what and I go yeah yeah barbecue nachos really nice corn chips my barbecue my barbecue sauce a really nice queso sauce my dry rub and a jalapeno on top he goes you're crazy I said yeah we're gonna sell <laughs> the woo-woo out of them and we're gonna do it in chicken too yeah and uh I mean, we had lines every every ball game. Yep. Yes. Uh, they're still <laughs> uh, still my favorite thing in Memphis is the barbecue nachos. They're great, and and everybody's are different because everybody's meat and sauce profiles yeah. are different. But the um, chips are different, or they've done something with it. Yeah. Or, yeah. And so so we came up uh, one of my chefs years ago came up with this new chip idea, and he just took some herbed flour tortillas like a wrap. Mm-hmm and was cutting them up when they're deep-fried them. And we we used it as a garnish on a plated, seeded dinner coming out of the mashed potatoes or something. And we're like, these things are incredible. And so we just started. They
2: they have to be thick enough to hold the barbecue. That's where some people messed it up, I think. Yeah.
1: So we used the corn (laughs) chips, you know, the corn tortilla chips forever, and then we started doing these. And these are actually flour, um, which in today's game – still is great, but Mm -hmm. you you have a lot of gluten-free folks you got to worry about, you know. But we think that our barbecue nachos would stand against anybody's, you know. It should be a category at Memphis in May. I mean, it's part (laughs) of the deal.
0: (laughs) I got a new category. I've been thinking about it since I've been in Memphis. So chicken and waffles blew up. Memphis, I feel like if somebody could really do it, ribs and pancakes. Mm. I love it. So there you go. Yeah. There you go. Ribs, <laughs> ribs and pancakes.
2: Breakfast barbecue. You need <laughs> yeah. another, another, another deal. It's hard to get barbecue on the breakfast menu. I like that yeah, idea. That's great. Right.
0: We'll be right back. This episode is sponsored by the Memphis Restaurant Association. The Mid-South's key advocate for restaurant owners, managers, and employees alike promoting the best dining experiences Memphis has to offer. Business owners, do you have a clear picture of where all your money is? Are your taxes getting taken care of on time? Clarity and consistency are key when it comes to getting the most out of your books. With detailed monthly financials and ongoing advisory services, Patrick Accounting is here to help you make more money and keep more of it. Learn more at patrickaccounting.com.
2: Obviously, early on, I'm sure there was some growing pains and figuring stuff out and finding people on the team. You know, we talked a little about early stages. What
1: are you guys working on now? Keeping our head afloat. Right, I could have opened two more catering companies in the last several months. I've turned away so much business, mm-hmm. and I'm still getting calls, and I'm still trying to labor tweak in problem. The calendar labor problems yeah trying and to find that, the right people and it doesn't matter what industry you're in I mean it's still a challenge you're correct um, we've we found a few people here recently and hopefully they'll work out uh, but mostly we need people on the front of the house side or the service side mm-hmm. um, because we just don't have enough. we can do the food we can crank the food out but it's uh, getting it out to do you the guys front.
2: have a sales team how do you kind of hit the market other than just obviously
1: no name now in town and probably plenty honestly we've been super blessed i'm the sales guy i've got a young lady named andrea that helps and i don't have to look for business yeah business Uh, is not the problem it it is not and that's a good problem to have it is it's it's a it is a problem yeah i mean it truly is because i fall down on my my sales skills uh i'm not out seeing my clients like i need to be but it's a blessing yeah like i'll go to uh a Ducks Unlimited event tomorrow night with 300 that we're catering, and I'm we're big partners with DU, mm-hmm. um, and I I'm just going to shake hands and kiss babies is what yeah. I call it, you know. But I'm blessed to know a lot of people as well. Yeah.
2: Well, what are you guys doing from a recruiting standpoint or interviewing
1: process to get the best people on your team? Right now we just need warm bodies. Um, we're not doing enough. I'll be honest with you. Yeah,
0: because that's one of the biggest part of it is if you even do just get the warm bodies you get them in for a week or two and they don't turn out and have to do it all over again
1: yeah so I've turned down a lot of plated seated dinners so think of a banquet Mm -hmm. or whatnot and I pushed them to what I call seated buffet so you do the place (laughs) settings and the water at the table and the china and the silver and they go through a buffet but occasionally I still have to hire temps and you ask for 10 temps and you get five and you hope that they work out right And uh, so the plate of Caesars are challenging because I need I need anywhere from five to eight people in the kitchen and 10 to 15 or 20 on the floor to get the plates out there and bus and yep. you know service the water, et cetera, et cetera.
2: You have a mobile front of house, which is hard. It's yeah. a hard hire. Yeah. do you guys kind of consider your East location more the front of house crew? Or do you kind of? They're not working full time every day. I'm assuming it's based on events and everything going on. So, it, it how does is. that scheduling work?
1: Well, let me let me just say that Hogwild East has has been a stepchild. Yeah. And it was an answer to a COVID issue. Mm-hmm. I was in David Kustoff's office in D.C. on a Thursday afternoon in March, 2020, and. The red light goes off if you've ever been to a representative or senator's office. There's really a red light. And and the red light, and he goes, Ernie, I've got 15 minutes to get to the the House floor. we got to vote on this coronavirus thing. Like, what's that? (laughs) And and we're all going, you know, we've heard a little bit about Mm -hmm. it, yada, yada, yada. He came back to Memphis that night, and, you know, we talked a little bit in the airport. The following Monday— I was getting calls canceling jobs.
2: Yeah, because you're not gonna be a whole
1: event. And in three days I cleaned out six weeks of business. And I looked at my team and I said, I'm letting you all go effective right now. Go get on unemployment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do it do it now. Don't wait tomorrow. Don't wait to next week. Get on unemployment now. I said we've applied for this. This something that's coming through the line the PPP. Yeah, at some whatever. point,
2: at some point in the future, at that we didn't know yeah. when it's going to come.
1: And so, my five key people hung with me. We went to uh, home delivery and survived. We got the PPP money and I put them back on payroll, and I kept everybody off until. And I hope I calculated it right. Yeah, <laughs> I brought them back in August to run the money out in yeah. October and that worked and then we were able to survive through the end of the year and then the next round hit bpp two, 2 and then ERC yeah. and all the things that kind of help and so I so I tell you all that to say that I was the MRA Memphis Restaurant Association mm-hmm. president at the time and this is what I looked like every day with a microphone yep. in my in my face or you know somebody calling how do i handle this or i'm in the meeting with them with the health department and the yep. both mayors etc we were the same so, way that's what, i mean that's all we did for a year and a half it felt like so because of all that we decided and i used to live right over here on white station and um uh, so i know the area well and, and i said well if we're gonna do it let's let's put a little place in in east memphis and People can come pick up their barbecue, take come, it to go. Come get a to-go sandwich and then grab-and-go, kind of mm-hmm. like yeah. uh, curbside casseroles. Yep. So so that's what we did. And no seats. We did have some bourbon barrels that you could sit at outside. And uh, it, it's a cool place. And mm-hmm. everybody that comes in there loves it. But when I said we stepchild it, we stepchild it. In other words, we get so busy with the catering yeah. that once it ramped back up. Yeah. And, and I've got my best guys making whatever's in there. Yep. You know, and then we get busy. And case in point, uh, a buddy of mine's working for me now that I grew up with that we used to throw those parties in Germantown at. Um, <laughs> and he's getting his hip replaced tomorrow. And we're slammed this weekend. And we're slammed next week. And he's out. Yeah. And the other people can't do it by themselves. And I can't pull from those. So we're not going to be open next week. I mean, talking about. What do you do? Yeah, you know, staffing's tough. What do you What do you love about what you're doing right now? As you can tell, I like food. Yeah, and, no, I uh,
2: mean, I can't tell at all.
1: <laughs> I'm blessed with my team, and have always been blessed with that team, even in, as little turnover as we've had, uh, or that we have. It's just a great group of, of folks and talented, extremely talented. I put these chefs against yeah. you know anybody in town, and that's awesome. Uh, particularly do the 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 events the way we do them and the number of things that we do so it's so it's fun to not have to worry about a whole lot and sometimes you feel guilty because you slip off and maybe you are duck hunting or or whatnot or there's got to be some reward for the hard work you've put in for 27 years well it's coming down the line
2: that's right
0: if there was one bit of advice for a future restaurant entrepreneur what would that be
1: Pay attention to what you're doing. Um, the numbers count. No way. And uh, I don't always. <laughs> you have to at say the, that just when you're talking to an accountant. I don't. I don't always look at the numbers. I'll be honest with you. But uh, put your best foot forward. You're in the people business. Treat your employees right. Treat your clients and customers right. Um, don't give up. But if you have to turn the switch off, turn it off. You know, part of the challenges. business is figuring out when you need to you know cut the rope and uh, hog wild east has been a great little fun place to 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 be and experiment uh i built it to move out in a day and unfortunately but making the right decision we're going to close that store down in january uh january 20th and we'll figure out what the next step is right now the catering is so powerfully strong i don't know that we need to be in the in the brick and mortar restaurant yeah, makes side sense. of it right now but uh we'll, we'll it, have made,
2: a, it was pretty much a temporary solution during you had to pivot right so it makes a lot I, of sense that it, that's not the ongoing model you want to run
1: no no it's not and uh when i set up that that lease i originally said we'll do five years with two or three twos on the back and uh then i went i went back to to Loeb, and i said Let's do a couple of twos and a five. Yeah. And um, and that was a very smart decision on my end. And I appreciate them letting me do that. Uh, it wasn't last minute, but yeah. kind of after we had the ball rolling. That's um, great. Well, um,
2: yeah. wish you the best of luck for sure. I think that's a, a wise move, really. Yeah. So
0: focus on the main and feeding everybody now. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you guys. We This has been fun and uh, we appreciate what y'all do for us. And uh, we, We'll see each other on the Yeah, Can't wait. Let's do it.
0: We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Restaurant Grind. If you did, please hit that subscribe button and leave us a rating on your podcast player. Doing so helps our stories inspire more people in their Restaurant Grind journeys. We'll see you next week.